The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have a seat. I'm very grateful for the presence of so many of you, apart from Betty and Armand having been blessed with such a large family. Um, I gotta be honest, most people over 90 don't merit this big a crowd. And so that tells us something important about the woman we've come to lay to rest today. My name is Father P.J. McManus. I'm the parish priest at Christ the King, just down the street. But I have been entangled in one way or another with this family for 25 years or more. I remember the first time I met Betty. It would have been the summer between sophomore and junior year of high school. And I don't remember exactly how this happened, but Danny thought it would be fun to bring the white kids, which is what she called us from the other side of town, to the festa. And somehow there was a confusion with cars and I wound up alone at the old house with Betty. Now, my grandmother lived with us, so I had some kind of familiarity with old people and so I thought I'd turn on the charm. She said to me, what are your intentions for my granddaughter? And I said, which one? And she said, don't get fresh. After a little while, there was a kind of an awkward lull in the conversation, and I said, you know, the one piece of advice my dad gave me about girls was go home and meet their mother and their grandmother. And she looked at me and she said, you choose your next words very wisely. I'm sharing that story today for a kind of ulterior motive. I needed you to have that experience of laughter because those of you closest can almost hear the conversation yourselves. And I need for you to have that inner experience of laughter to understand what I'm about to say. I want to teach you a vocabulary word, which is weird at funerals, I'll grant you, but hear me out here. The word is anemnesis. 
Let's try it. Anemnesis. Okay. So anemnesis means memory or memorial, but like in all caps. And the reason it's special, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word that kind of develops first with the Jews and then, and then later the church sort of appropriates, and it means the kind of memory that makes something present. If you forgot where you put your keys and you're trying to go back in your memory and remember which countertop or which pocket they're sitting in, that's about information. You probably have no feeling about the keys except frustration that you don't remember where they are. But that is not what happened when I told you that story. For a moment, Betty was alive again. Genuinely, in a real way, that she's not when she's not present to us by memory. That's the kind of memory that we're talking about here. And that's really the only kind of memory the church has ever been interested in. Because by remembering the things that God has done in the history of salvation, like all together, and in the story of the saving of each one of us, in our own families, amongst our own communities, they are made present. He is made present. The one command of the Lord that the church has never failed in is the last that he gave. Do this in memory of me. It's why we Catholics situate funerals in the context of the Mass. I get it, because it's kind of a pain to haul everybody down from the funeral home and then to the cemetery. But here's, here's the insight here. All of the sacrifices that Armin and Betty made in the whole course of their life together, and all of the sacrifices that their own families made preceding it to make their life possible, all of the sacrifices that, 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 that Betty made each day the little no's she said to herself on behalf of those whom she loved. The care and concern she offered not only her family and her close friends, but this community here at St. Anthony and the whole kind of wider south side. Every little act of self-abnegation, self-forgetfulness, every one of those is now caught up in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and which is made present, becomes alive to us when we remember not the kind of memory like where I parked the car, but the kind of memory like the time I first met a new friend or I first realized I was in love or I first held my child and I caught their glimpse and they caught mine. Betty's life could be easily sort of broken out along the lines of each of these beatitudes. She was blessed in so many ways, and she grew in holiness right up to the end. The reason I'm choosing to speak about this kind of memory is because the last long conversation I had with her, just a few weeks ago when we started having the trouble with the finger, I went in and she wanted to see me by myself, which was not normal. And what she said to me when we were alone was she said, Father, I think that Armin's here. And I said, okay, why do you think that? And she said, every time I look up, I keep seeing him in that chair over there in the room. 
I said, are you thinking about Armand a lot? She said, all the time. She said, and at first it was really hard, but it doesn't hurt anymore. She came to understand what memory with a capital M meant. And if we who are to take leave of her body today are to stay in touch with she who now lives before God, she who never fails to be in God's memory, she who is always alive with the living one risen from the dead, then we have to do the same. The temptation when someone dies, especially after a long life, is to try and blow by the pain. All right, I'm allowed allowed to be sad for a little bit, but then, because she was real old and she lived a real full life, those things are true, and we should be grateful for them. But the pain that grief offers has the capacity to become fuel. Fuel for faith and hope and charity. Fuel for those memories which we should not put on a shelf and forget, but which we should consciously and deliberately hold before our consciousness every day. As we draw closer and closer to her and through her to him. Which is why for each of us, today specifically, as we're present at this last offering of, of, of Mass in the presence of Betty's body, as, as, as we come before the Lord who makes himself present to our memory and in reality in the sacrament, we need to bring with us our memories. The good ones and maybe some of the bad ones. We need to carry forward at the offertory those memories we want to offer to God and we need to take back at the time of Holy Communion the way in which those memories now make a kind of sense they couldn't before there was a period at the end of the sentence that is Betty's life. There's a lot of piety, devotion, maybe even superstition, around uh, what days people wind up dying or being buried. The Irish used to take bets about who could die closest to All Souls Day so that the first Mass of All Souls Day was for them. But for us, there would be no more fitting day to say farewell to one who has loved so much. She who joins now in the company of the saints, each in their own order. Her life, now another note, in the great symphony by which the one who calls us and holds us in memory will save us both here and hereafter.